Alexander. Shabbat for three. Bingo! Butler will get it for the win. Butler will get it for the win. Butler will get it for the win. He is hard to believe. Here's Jordan. What's going on, guys? Welcome to Dime Dropper for another recap of, I don't want to say it's just basketball events because it's more than just basketball tonight because the bigger occasion is the Los Angeles Rams advancing to the NFC Championship for the second time in the six years that they've been back in Los Angeles. But before we get into all that, make sure to subscribe on YouTube at Dime Dropper Podcast, Apple Podcasts, Follow us on Spotify, and of course, to follow, to follow me on all social media platforms at Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Dime Dropper Pod. So, let's get right into it. You know, if you're a Rams fan watching this for the first time, I just want to say, I am a basketball guy, and I really became a Rams fan when they moved to LA because I'm an LA guy. I'm LA through and through, so when I said my whole life... When a team came to Los Angeles, that was going to be my team. And I waited for it my whole life. I really didn't jump on any bandwagons. I got some tempting offers, tempting offers, but I did not end up joining anyone else because I'm just, a, I'm just an L.A. guy. There was no connection there. And I remember the time we, the night we got the Rams, it, I woke up from a nap. It was January 12th, two, January 12th, 2016, woke up from a nap. And I saw the location, Rams to relocate to Inglewood in 2016. One of the best days of my life. And I went to the first four games, as you guys saw in that last video in the vlog. If you guys haven't checked out the vlog of my game of my experience at uh, SoFi Stadium the other night for the uh, wild card game against the Cardinals, check that out. It was just electric. One of the best sporting events I have ever attended. And... It's just been a dream to have a football team. And today, you know, it was painful. You know, I was in Massachusetts. I don't know if I've talked about this on Dime Dropper too much, but I was in Massachusetts for the Super Bowl. You know, I went to UMass for the Super Bowl when we lost to the Pats. And that was torture, especially coming off a couple months after we had lost the World Series to the Red Sox. I'm a Dodger fan, of course, as well. And it was really painful. I was getting made fun of. And you see everybody just clowning us. And, oh, I was getting messed with. But that's what makes moments like this that much sweeter. Playing Tom Brady, the defending champions. You know, for years I'm just watching these games and I'm just like, yeah, Tom Brady, the greatest quarterback ever, you know, watching in, in, my, in my time, okay? I, I think everybody considers, uh, most people consider him the greatest now with his resume, but I'm never going to, sp- I have to, be consistent with the way I do basketball, same with football. I don't know enough, so I'm not going to talk about the past and other eras and stuff that I don't really know about. Resume-wise, though, Brady's body of work is unquestioned. And it's just amazing going up against him and having a team that I root for represents me and my city, my community in the NFL playoffs that everybody's watching. And the second time we've gotten up, gotten to go against Brady, and I've been hearing all week going into this game, Rams pass rush against Brady. That O-line is a little weakened. 
You know, uh, Tristan Wirfs, I believe is his name. He was on the top 100 as one of the ta- uh, as a tackle, offensive tackle. And I know there was other in- there were some other injuries with the Bucks' offensive line, and you can see that today they had some problems. But I think a lot of teams are gonna have problems with our defense, uh, with our uh, with our D line, and with our with our pass rush and guys like Von Miller coming off the edge. Man, it was amazing to see Von Miller both last week and this and today in action. I mean, this guy. He's got the resume for a reason. He's a champion. Super Bowl MVP. If I'm not mistaken. I think he's... I'm pretty sure he's a Super Bowl MVP. He was. And... He's just been amazing so far in these first two games. Very active. Of course, Aaron Donald. Everyone knows what's going to happen with him. In my biased opinion, the best football player in the world. And has been for like two or three years. And obviously, it was huge last year that he was injured which cost us against Green Bay. And today, we just I just love the way we came out. Again, just like the Cardinals game, we smacked the opposition in the face to start the game. Second half, though, was a different story. But to start the game, we were great. Defensively, we were great. We didn't give them much on, the first, on their first uh, series. And then we, you know, of a variety of, of plays, and shout out to McVay and the coaching staff, a variety of plays and a variety of, players involved in the attack on the first drive that got us a field goal Cooper Cup Odell Beckham Jr. Tyler Higby who Tyler Higby's pretty much been with us since the beginning since we moved back to LA since I've been a fan so it's cool to see how far he's come how much better he's gotten every year and then of course speaking of gotten better every year Cooper Cup King Koopa he's been unbelievable and again today fantastic but Odell Beckham Jr., it's been really good to see us go to him in these first quarters. We did it last game, and we did it again today. And, you know, this is a, t- a team we were talking about a couple years ago, even when we went to the Super Bowl against the Pats. We didn't have elite receivers, Pro Bowl-level receivers. Robert Wood's good. Brandon Cook's good. Cooper Cup is good. But nobody's that guy. You could try to throw it to him and make a play. You can, you know, drop a play for him or run a play for him, and he's just going to make something happen. And we have multiple of those guys now. You know, we have Cooper Cup, and now we have Odell Beckham Jr. And they were in full effect today. And just the fact that I just think, though, the defense, just the way that we held Tampa, we always had Brady Brady worried. And at one point, Mike Evans, like, he just dropped the ball, like a routine ball he, he'd always catch. And you could just tell they were flustered in that first half. Like, we really took it to him. And you just got to give credit all the way around. I thought Matt Stafford, again, composed. Cam Akers was getting into the mix. Just great variety. And it's been huge, you know, getting Cam Akers back for these playoffs to, you know, mix up our attack, especially with Henderson going down. Was Cam Akers flawless? Absolutely not. We are going to talk about that more as it go, as it continues. But, you know, we had that deep ball to Cooper Cup, I believe, in the first half for Matt Stafford. And we gained a substantial lead. In that first half. And I just thought there was a chance we were going to run away with it. But I know too well as a sports fan. Especially when you have Tom Brady on the other side. And we've seen him make comebacks of great proportions. Never to get too comfortable. Never to get too comfortable. But, you know, 20-3. to We get an interception. And that when you get the interception, that's when you're thinking like, oh man, this is just, this is just our day. But... The fumble to end the half. You know, we were, we looked like we were going, we were running, running the ball, going for a field goal to end the half and make it twenty three to three, knowing that we were coming out in the second half, receiving the ball, and Cam Akers 
was you know reviewed whether he was down or he had lost the ball and he lost the ball and it was crucial and I thought right then and there we gave them a window there in the second half to come back but we came out with a touchdown shortly after to start the second half so I thought we were good to go you know I thought 27 to 3 you know we're solid but Tampa got a lifeline when Cooper Cup fumbled the ball and they got great field position off of that and scored a touchdown shortly after to make a 27-13 two-possession game and then got us to punt right after, that's when I started getting a little worried because I know, again, what Brady's capable of. But luckily, we forced a fumble and Von Miller recovered, and that was huge. After that, I thought we had him. But the most catastrophic thing happened where Brian Allen, I don't know if it was just the noise of the Tampa fans getting to him and they had a, you know, they couldn't hear each other, and Brian Allen thought he heard Matt Stafford, uh, you know, call for the snap. And he threw it, oh, he just wasn't ready for it. He just threw it up, and for them to recover again, good field position. Just it was that was when I was like, oh my god, this started to feel like a Clippers type of situation right here, like straight up 2014 game five, like Clippers type of situation. I thought we were gonna choke this away, but thankfully we got them to turn the ball over on downs. Our defense held it down, and we got into good field position for a field goal. But Gay missed the 48 yarder or 49 yarder, and I was like, oh my goodness, we are just leaving them in this game. And even with four minutes left, we were still up 27-13. It was 27-13 for a minute. (laughs) And I still didn't fully feel comfortable. And then, of course, you had them scoring a touchdown because Brady just slung it down the field like that. And when he did that, all the way down to, that was Mike Evans, wasn't it, on single coverage. We did a really good job overall, though, throughout the game, the secondary, and obviously the pass rush and everybody, of just limiting... Mike Evans for the most part, but that was just an amazing play. And Tom Brady, that was when I started getting scared. Like, yo, is he about to take over this game? Like, Jesus, this what this is what going against Brady is like in the playoffs. He's about to just will them to victory. And Cam Akers, when we're running the ball, you know, don't throw the ball. Traditional football, don't throw the ball. Don't want to get intercepted. Cam Akers fumbled again giving them great field position for another touchdown in which they got. I thought we're going to overtime. We're about to choke this. All the momentum's with the stadium. But the guy that was questioned the most of any player in on the Rams, Matt Staff Daddy Stafford, making the big play. 20-yard pass to Cooper Cup, and then the 44-yard pass down the field. Cooper Cup again, doing what he's been doing all season long, creating opportunities for staff to show off that arm and to show off his talent with actual talent and with great coaching and great backing all the way around. And that's what Matt Stafford has shown in this playoffs. I'm not going to lie. You can go back to some previous lives. I don't talk football that much on this show. 
But what I have said when people ask me, how did I feel coming into the playoffs? I was nervous about Stafford. He hadn't been in these big of moments that much in his career, even though he's, ex- he's been in the league for a while. He was turning the ball over recklessly to end the season. But with you know no fumbles, I believe, no fumbles and no interceptions in the playoffs, he has been unbelievable. And that was just the mo- – that's got to be the moment of his career, right? Correct me if I'm wrong. You know, I'm not too uh, sharp on the football history. But correct me if I'm wrong. Is that not the biggest moment of his career? We are going to the NFC Championship, ladies and gentlemen. The L.A. Rams, my L.A. Rams, are going to the NFC Championship for the second time in six years that they've been here. It's just like every single season of the Rams here in L.A. for me in my life has taken a different different story. You know, like I graduated high school and the Rams moved. You know, I, I heard the announcement my senior year of high school, my freshman year of college, and I was still here at Cal State Northridge. I went to the first four games. I was with my sister at that first game against the Seahawks. I wanted to be part of that experience to to be at the first Rams game. And I remember it. It was no touchdowns, all, only field goals. Shout out to Greg Zerline, always doing the job. And then I went to a game against the Bills. And shout out to the Bills. What an unbelievable, just one of the best overall playoffs that I've remembered in my lifetime of the NFL. Obviously, it's so much better when your team's involved. And that's only been a couple of playoffs for me. But just all the way around, I mean, you had two game-winning field goals yesterday with Cincinnati and San Francisco. And then today, you have the game-winning field goal. Shout-out to Matt Gay. Oh, my God, I can't forget him with the game-winning field goal doing the business. Uh, shades of Greg Zerline, but not nearly as far, obviously, in the Superdome against New Orleans. Just game-winning playoff field goal for our, my LA Rams. But Matt Gay, shout-out to him. He's just been great all season long and big time right there. But, and by the way, shout out to the best punter in football, one of the greatest, and I don't even care if there's another punter that's statistically close to him, I don't watch other teams like that, I don't give a shit, Johnny Hecker, heck, is that freaking dude, he's been here since the first game, I've been back, uh, I went to the, you know, they moved here, and he is the man, always does the business, like literally never makes a bad punt, I don't even know if he's ever made a bad punt, I don't know if he's ever made a bad punt. Anyway, it's just unbelievable. You know, first, yeah, so shout-out to the Buffalo Bills. Great games today. You know, game-winning field goal again today, and then a t- overtime game, just back and forth, back and forth. The amount of lead changes and touchdowns in those last two minutes of the game today in Kansas City was unbelievable. Just incredible quarterback play from Josh Allen, who's just a really great rising quarterback in the league. And obviously Pat Mahomes, who people are saying, you know, talent-wise is the best they've ever seen. So comment below. Is Mahomes the most talented quarterback you've ever seen in your life? Is he the greatest quarterback talent-wise ever, if you've been watching football long enough to have a valid opinion on that or know the history of the game well enough? But, man, that was an incredible finish. My heart goes out to the Buffalo Bills fans because I sympathize with them as a fan of the Clippers, you know, a fan of a team that sometimes you question if they're cursed. You know, four falls of Buffalo, great 30 for 30. You guys should all check that out. It's the four Super Bowls that the Bills lost in a row to begin the 90s. And that game felt like you just add that to the list because they looked like they had it so many times in that last two minutes. In those last two minutes, Patrick Mahomes just making plays. Travis Kelsey has been one of the best, the best tight end in the league for a couple years now, but he's just been fantastic um, for a while now. And Harrison Butker came up big. And then continue. Although I hate the a lot of controversy tonight about the rules. 
you know, the college rules being better and like Josh Allen not getting a chance to rebuttal. That sucks. It just comes down to a coin flip. I agree they should change the rules, but it is what it is. I had no preference in the game. I kind of wanted the Bills to win. I'm hoping for the Bengals, honestly. The Chiefs just won the Super Bowl two years ago. And I and they were at the Super Bowl last year. So I'm trying to see the Bengals in the Super Bowl come over here and get destroyed by the California and NFC soon-to-be champions, the LA Rams. What a stage we have set here. The road to the Super Bowl and Lombardi runs through SoFi Stadium here in Los Angeles and Inglewood, if you want to get specific. It's unbelievable. You cannot even script it. You know, it felt a little bit fluky when we beat the Saints in 2018. Uh, well, it was the game took place in 2019, but it represented the 2018 season. But this year, you know, it's been up and down at times of this season. We started out well, had a little rough patch in the middle, closed out strong. But there's been hype going into this season. First season with fans at SoFi Stadium. Shades of the first season at Staples Center for the Lakers in terms of Obviously, their first season was with fans because no pandemic, 99-2000. And they won the championship. For us to have the Super Bowl here in Los Angeles and the opportunity given to us by the Niners beating the Packers that we get to host an NFC championship game at SoFi Stadium as well, giving us the opportunity to win two home games to win the whole shebang. It's almost too good to be true. It's an opportunity they cannot squander, honestly. And here's the thing. It's like this weird thing with me and the Rams where it's like I feel spoiled that I'm even talking about this so much because I got friends that are, besides the Pats fans, like back in Massachusetts, they are spoiled of the bunch. But that's the thing. Like a team like the Pats has been dominant for a large portion of my life. You know, I know fans that are Redskins fans. I know fans that are Minnesota Vikings fans that haven't, you know, even Buffalo Bills, Cincinnati Bengals, even the Titans, haven't seen as much success as I've seen in my six years being an, a fan of my team. Like, we already, I've seen my team make a Super Bowl already. How Like, there's a, not a lot of teams that have made the Super Bowl in the last 20 years. It's more than other sports, like the NBA. That's what I love about football. Like, I love that, you know, the Kansas City Chief went from, like, in the gutter. Now they have Mahomes and all these stars, and they they won the Super Bowl. I love the Cincinnati Bengals and the Buffalo Bills were about, like, you know, this close to playing each other in the AFC Championship next week. And they have not been great in my life at all. I just love that about football. Because there's so many parts that are needed to build a Super Bowl championship contending roster. And I found that out my first year as a, fo- as a Rams fan, you know, when I was going to games, those first four games. Seattle, Buffalo, Miami, and Carolina. I saw what how important an O-line was. Like how important a good coach was. And that's what I've learned throughout these years. And obviously you need good health as well. You know, football's a game with a lot of injuries. It's a physical game. And you just need some health. You know, last year we lacked Aaron Donald. In the Super Bowl year we played the Pats. If I'm not mistaken, Cooper Cup didn't play. So... And in the year after the Super Bowl, a lot of our old linemen were out. I'm pretty sure Rob Havenstein missed games. And shout out to Rob Havenstein. He's been with us since the first year we came. We moved to LA since I've been a fan. And he's been one of our starting tackles for this whole time. And he's just done a great job over his years. And also shout out to Andrew Whitworth, who has completely changed his team since he came. And I'm just so happy, proud of this team. You know, I, 
again, sophomore year when I went to UMass, we went to the playoffs, lost the Atlanta Falcons. And then my junior year, Super Bowl, senior year, didn't even make the playoffs. Came back here, SoFi Stadium opened up and nobody could go to the games. Last season, I'm not going to lie, guys, it's pretty foggy. This season, for personal reasons, started out rocky for me. I wasn't watching too many games. That's something I have to keep off, off, the, off the pod, off the camera, but I was not. That's why I wasn't talking about it as much as I said I was going to before the season. But this playoff run, going to the game last weekend, it's it's. I got that Ram fever right now, guys. I got that Ram fever. And I'm just so excited about what, what's going on here. I'm just so excited. But anyway, let's talk about... And we're going to talk more about the Rams, guys, obviously, next week. And we're going to hype it up this week in the in the lives for basketball because this is just a special moment. You know, you have to appreciate these moments only two times so far, even though it's been only six years. I sound ridiculous, but you just never know. You just never know how good your team is going to be two times out of six and two times in six years. My, my Rams made it to the NFC championship. So let's talk about the Clippers for a second who played the Knicks today at Madison Square Garden in the early game. And the Knicks just came out lighting it up from deep. It was unbelievable. Like, they're just... They, Brian Seaman commentary today said they're 22nd in the league in three-point percentage. They were just lighting it up. Julius Randle, R.J. Barrett, anybody. with Alec Burks. They were just all throwing it up. Evan Fournier. They were all throwing up there and it was going in. I honestly don't think our defensive intensity was too bad at all. Like, we got a couple deflections to start the game. Like, Nico Batum, he was active. Reggie Jackson's effort was good. Zubat's got a couple of blocks. I don't think that our defensive effort was poor. Zubat started out well, though, you know, with his jump hooks. And I really think that Zoo is really starting to gain confidence here and there. I know I've said stuff like that in the past so many times. Stuff like that in the past so many times. But Zubats is really gaining confidence with that jump hook. And I've been saying it for like a year and definitely a couple months this season because we are so shorthanded. We have been shorthanded without Kawhi and Paul. That if if Zubats can develop confidence to be a go-to guy in the post because he's got a solid right-handed jump hook and decent fundamentals for like a good 12 to 15 points a game. And just being a guy that we can say, hey, let's dump it into Zoo. That would be huge. That would be huge for help, helping us get easy baskets when our jump shots aren't falling. And we missed a lot of open threes today. 14 of 41 overall. And I thought we really gassed it up in the third quarter in terms of shooting too many. But in the first quarter, we just could we just got hit with the Knicks barrage. They were just hitting a bunch of threes. But I thought Reggie Jackson was fantastic. He got himself going. Uh, coming off screens, even though they were staying pretty attached to his hip, but stepping back to create space. And in isolation situations, he was crossing some people up. Like, he was going one-on-one against guys when they were switching. And his shot was falling, and he was just feeling good. Him and Zoo were just doing the business. Morris Sr., though, it was not his day-to-day at all. I thought we played better defense in the second quarter and just played better overall in the second quarter. I thought Serge Ibaka came off the bench and gave us a nice lift, uh, hitting his first three. And hitting a couple push shots off pick and rolls. Eric Bledsoe, when he came in, pretty poor. He took two pretty ugly looking shots. And wasn't doing enough on defense to justify that. Justify like, you know, me doing, I shouldn't say the word justify. Not doing enough to 
counteract his bad shots. He did have five assists off the bench or six assists off the bench, but eh, I don't think Eric was that great. Luke Kennard, though, was really solid. He shot 10 threes, and those are all the shots that he took. He had 14 points. He hit four of them, so 40% from three will take that. But there just was a stretch where we just could not hit in that third quarter. You know, we cut it down to 61 to 66 going into the ha- uh, going into the second half. But we just could not hit in the third quarter. And I got to give the Knicks credit. They tightened it up. And they started calling the game like looser in the second half. They were not calling as many fouls. And we just could not score as much. And that's partially because Marcus Morris Sr. just was not hitting either. And he usually generates those contested mid-range, unguardable type situation shots. He just was not hitting them. And we were shooting too many threes, especially Nico Batum. I thought he was really pushing it. He shot seven shots, all of them threes. And I thought in the third quarter, he took a couple just rushed ones. And I just thought that that wasn't good. Julius Randle, you know, I thought he had a pretty good game. But I see the flaws in him. And I've been saying it for so long. He catches the ball way too high. He'll get a switch and he'll start his attack all the way at the three-point line. That makes it harder for you to get... Closer to the basket, obviously, common sense. Uh, it makes it easier to double-team, and I think it's easier. When when someone's being double-teamed way out there, it's easier to see the floor as opposed to when they're getting doubled in the post and guys can run behind you for layups behind, back door and different angles, you know, when you're in that deep and you have to make longer rotations. You know, when you're double-teaming at the top, it's sometimes it's easier to get from a guy in the corner to the wing. Easy rotation. When the pass gets thrown, you rotate from that corner to the wing. And we created turnovers off double-teaming that fool at the top. And I like Julius. But he's not great passing out of the double, as many Knicks fans have told me this season, and I've seen it. And the difference in this game today was R.J. Barrett. R.J. Barrett was, which is one of his best games he's had, I've seen at least. He was getting to the basket. And he was taking advantage when guys like Reggie Jackson were guarding him. He went kind of just all the way or kind of bodied him and, and backed him in to like six feet, eight feet and turn around for a little push shot. He started missing those late in the game, but it's a good sign if you're a Knicks fan, in my opinion, for him to get that deep and start to show those, show glimpses that he can make that shot. Ty Lue said after the game that we said we were going to force him, force him right. And we didn't do that. We, we did not do that. And he's right. We didn't do that. Um, as far as the Clippers go, I think Hardenstein's still on a minutes restriction, only played four minutes, but I thought in the third quarter, we just didn't make up that offensive gap. They gained, you know, a 10-point advantage going into the fourth. And we had chances in the fourth. We were cutting it shorter. We were cutting it closer to like six points. Terrence Mann, though, a couple times today, especially one time very glaringly in the fourth quarter, he was underneath the basket and he passed it out for a three. And Terrence Mann is not the type of guy that I have ever had a problem with in terms of going up strong. And he didn't go up strong. I was just so, I I couldn't believe it. And it was just terrible. And, you know, I thought we also double teamed Randall just a bit too much at times. Because he just, when we have adequate defenders on him, I'm not talking Reggie Jackson's of the world. But when we have regular defenders on him, other guys, I think it was one time we had Brandon Boston Jr. on him, but it was like six on the shot clock, and we were, it was 
he was like at the three-point line. I didn't think we should have sent a double. You know, he made the right pass that time, and they made the extra swing to Fournier in the corner. But I thought we should have played him straight up uh, with certain guys a little bit more. But it's it's picky and choosy. I'm not saying that Ty Lue made any mistakes or anything like that. We just weren't the better team because the Knicks were making shots. The Knicks made their threes. They were 16 of 36 from three, 44%. They shot a better percentage from three than they did in the game. And also 20 of 30 from the free throw line for the Clippers. And, you know, Bledsoe missed two out of four, but that's that's kind of normal. Zubats missed four out of 11. You'd probably like him making one more, but that's fairly normal as well. Marcus Morris Sr. missed one. It was four of five. So that's fairly normal. Luke Kennard missing one, though, on two of three. Usually you'd expect him to hit all three. But it is what it is. I think at the end of the day, when the Knicks are going to shoot like that, we need a better performance from Marcus Morris Sr. and Nico Batum offensively. They cannot combine for 10 points. I think Sr. is one, though, that played worse because Nico does other things to contribute. We've talked about this all the time. He moves the ball quick. He cuts. He plays defense. Sr., if he's not hitting, he's not great. And he was four points. O of nine today. You know, a donut shooting the ball. He'd make one shot. 4 from 3. Needed more. But it is what it is. Clippers move on to 1-2 and two on this road trip. Our record drops to 23-25. and 25. The Knicks, 23-24. and 24. I'm sorry, guys. I can't talk about the Lakers. I just didn't watch the game. But they lost to the Miami Heat tonight. The Celtics. Jason Tatum with a 50-point game tonight. He's been... In a slump, but 51 points, that could bring him bring his confidence back. He just had one of those nights, and he does that. He has those nights where he goes off. The Chicago Bulls, it's really sad what's happened. Caruso, Lonzo, Zach Levine, they're really going to drop. I hope those guys are all going to be healthy by the playoffs, though, because this Chicago Bulls team can really make some noise, but it's tough to see what's happening right now. They're going to slip for sure. I see the Bucks overtaking them, no doubt. Atlanta Hawks, four wins in a row. DeAndre Hunter's back and kicking. A 22-point win today at Charlotte. Huge. Dallas Mavericks beating the Grizzlies. They're also on a roll. So the Dallas Mavericks, if they don't play the Clippers this year, let's see what they can do. Warriors, you know, Curry in a shooting slump, but another win today. Still no Donovan Mitchell, though, for the Jazz. But no Draymond Green as well for the Warriors. I'm going to be announcing my all-star starters very soon, probably this week. I think the stars are going to be announced, so I'm going to announce them this week, who I'm going with. Other than that, if you guys didn't check out my part one of my collaboration with Fabian, perspective, a Knicks fan, longtime Knicks fan, about what went wrong with Melo's Knicks, I did release part one. Please check it out if, you, if you're if you into that stuff, you uh, have some time on your hands. Leave a like and a comment. Tell it, Let us know what you think about it. We want to do those rewinds or whatever they're called, going back, talking about different series, teams, and stuff throughout my timeline, even if it's out of order. So let me know what you guys think that segment or name should be called. It doesn't have to be just with him. If one of you guys wants to watch a series and talk about it with me, we can collab with that. But what's the name of the that kind of segment? You know, the time machines, the film breakdown? What could that be, like the rewind or flashback, I don't know. You guys throw some comments and suggest. But thanks so much for joining me. Go Rams. It's a great night. We're not there yet, though. NFC Championship. We can talk about NFC Championship. You know, being in the Super Bowl is the big dance. It's an accomplishment in itself, but we're not there yet. No one gets nothing for winning the Divisional. You don't get no NFC Championship for winning the Divisional. So let's see what we do next week. I'll see you guys later this week. And now we go to the live subscribers waiting oh so patiently in the chat.